John? Clint? Where is everyone? Wait, why are there crickets? Where are we? Am I the spy in Spyfall again? Oh yeah, I forgot. Both Sean and Clint are on their vacations, leaving me here, alone, with just a microphone and crickets. Hey there, and welcome to the Punch and Played Podcast. I'm the sometimes funny, sometimes analytical podcast all about board games and the unique experiences they create. I'm your one and only host, Jonathan Baker. In this special episode tonight, we'll talk about what else? The solo gaming experience. While I'm not an expert on solo gaming, I've done it quite a bit more than Sean and Clint, and I wanted to share my experiences with you guys. So the first question you might be thinking right now is, why? Why bother with solo gaming? Well, there are several reasons I can think of that might make solo gaming something you should look into. The first, schedule. Many people work odd hours or have a busy family schedule that are just not really conducive to gaming with other people. Or maybe they can't set aside a large enough block of time to get together with other people and play a game. Solo gaming can give those people an opportunity to play when otherwise they wouldn't be able to. Also, they may be able to leave a game out um, and set. They may be able to leave a game set up and play it at their leisure. The second reason for solo gaming is to learn a game. Um, I find that I really love buying new games, but I hate learning new games. And if I'm going to get a new game, I, one thing I frequently do is I set it up, I'll play a few rounds, maybe I'll play the whole game, just to try it out. And this really helps me solidify the rules of the game, and it prepares me to teach it to other people. I've also found uh, that I tense up when I'm learning a new game with other people. So if I learn a game solo, it allows me to enjoy the actual gameplay with other people more. I also like the opportunity of experimenting with a game to see what strategies are possible and just see which of those strategies can be considered effective without feeling like I'm wasting somebody else's time. The third reason, and, and the most important reason for me, is just the intellectual challenge of it all. At times, I enjoy games just for their puzzly aspects. I mean, some people enjoy crossword puzzles, some people like Sudoku, is, is that still a thing? Um, but personally... I like to just set up a game of uh, Lord of the Rings, the living card game, and play it out. And it can be extremely satisfying to finish a quest when you're just about to thread out or to see if you can beat your high score in Agricola. So I've piqued your interest in regards to solo gaming. Good. Now where do you go next? Well, I put together a uh, top five list of games that I currently enjoy to solo game. And starting with number five would be Sentinels of the Multiverse. It's a card game, and it's a cooperative game, and you represent a team of superheroes. Each superhero has their own deck with uh, asymmetrical play, 
and you are struggling against a villain deck that puts out enemies, minions, and henchmen, and weapons, and equipment, and all sorts of other things. And then you also have a environment deck that reveals a card every turn also that could affect you, and there's a lot of different environments. And this game is a game that my friends don't love it as much as I do. Uh, my kids will play it with me, and they do like it and do request it sometimes. It's a little bit longish for what it is, and... Uh, it can be a little bit of a of a pain to keep track of all the different modifiers to damage and the different effects that are going on. But it's still a fun little game. It's great to do solo because you are struggling against that villain deck. And uh, I suggest playing maybe two heroes or three heroes possibly. Two is a good number. And then seeing what you can do. Although the game does get easier based upon the number of players, I feel like. So maybe three might be a better number. Uh, but two for a really... Nice challenge. Moving on to number four on my list would be Robinson Crusoe. And I know it's probably going to hurt Clint's feelings when he hears this, that Robinson Crusoe wasn't higher. But I feel like this is a great game. You can play um, two of the different shipwrecked people, and then you you play both of them. But it, once again, it's another cooperative game. You see this is a running theme throughout solo gaming. And you are struggling against the island. You're trying to complete a mission. There's lots of different... Uh, missions in this game and you basically just try to survive and do whatever the requirements for the mission are but there's all sorts of it's it's a very thematic game it's a euro that actually has some theme to it and a game that i very much enjoy moving on to number three in our list of solo gaming and this is going to shock uh sean probably but i would put agricola why agricola i haven't played agricola as much solo as some of the others but it is a a great game to play solo because number one after you get past that setup, setup takes a little bit of time, but after you get past that setup, it plays fairly quickly, and it's a meaty, chunky game that you can get in in a reasonable amount of time. I haven't been very successful at it because you're trying to um, complete, uh, you're trying to score as many points as you can, obviously, and there's a minimum of 50 points that you need to score in the first game, and that moves up and up and up every round. Uh, after you play it. You kind of play it in a campaign mode. The benefits to playing the campaign mode is your occupation. You get to pick one of your occupations that you had from the game before and keep it, and you keep adding on and expanding on that. But conversely, you do have to keep increasing your score to be successful. But it's a fun way to play Agricola, um, to experiment, to try out different things, um, to learn the game. Moving on to number two. This is a game that is actually surprisingly quite excellent as a solo game. And that game is Ignacy's um, Imperial Settlers. So Ignacy made it twice on this list. But uh, Imperial Settlers has you picking um, a civilization. You build up their resources. And the great thing, if you get on Portal's website and you find those campaign rules, the great thing, and these are these rules are not... Uh, there's a solo, solo rules that are in the back of the rule book, but these are actually online on the Portal website. But the great thing about these rules is that you roll on some charts and you face a new crisis, a new event every round. You have to deal with with, with some something that's going on. It could be uh, there could be a, a drought that you have to deal with, and you have to have more food for your people, or there could be some other kind of situation. So the way the solo version of Imperial Sellers goes is every round you are drafting um, once again, and there's four cards in the common pool. You get to draft two of them. The two that you don't pick go into a deck that will, if you don't raise them in that that round, they'll go into a deck that will count against you at the end of the game. Also going into that deck will be any cards that the solo game raises of yours. 
And that happens by drawing off the special deck that's included in the game. And uh, it has symbols on it. And if these symbols match your common cards, they get raised. Okay? You could have cards raised every turn. One or two cards raised every turn. And then, uh, once that deck... Your, your cards have been raised by the by the solo deck, and then the cards that you did not draft and did not raise are added together, and if they outweigh, if they outnumber your faction-specific cards at the end of the game, then you lose, okay? But any points that you score, if you are successful, you get to spend at the end of the game on different kinds of upgrades to your civilization. Um, and these are permanent upgrades that will affect you till the end of the campaign. So it's really neat. There's a whole chart of things that you could spend. You can start off with extra resources every turn. You can uh, store resources. There's all kinds of neat things you can do. You can use them to help pay your upkeep on your provinces. Wait a minute. Provinces? Provinces, every time you successfully win a game, you roll and you add a province to your civilization. And then these give you benefits every every game, but they also have an upkeep cost where you have to spend your points to keep them. Or they have some other kind of upkeep costs that you have to pay. And they they add a challenge to the game, but you can see your civilization expanding out um, as you go. Long-time listeners will not be surprised at my number one solo game, and that is, of course, the previously mentioned Lord of the Rings The Living Card Game by Fantasy Flight Games. This is a game I like to play, and I don't play it true solo with one deck. Um, I do that occasionally, but I, it's not the way I've most familiar playing it. I like to build two complementary decks. Experiment lets me uh, get to see, you know, all kinds of different cards and all kinds of different strategies. Let's maybe one deck focus on questing and some threat cancellation, and maybe let's the other deck focus on combat and defense. Um, that's the way I like to play it. I find it fun. I find it challenging. I like to see all the interactions of the cards, the interactions of the deck. Can this deck do this to help that deck? And it just lets me get a broader experience of the game, I think, than playing it with just one deck, true solo. But it, it's, it's a great game. I highly recommend you try it. Some others on my list of fun solo games. I know that, for example, Lewis and Clark has a solo version. I think I've only played that once. Race for the Galaxy, if you buy the first expansion, um, The Gathering Storm has a solo variant. I actually haven't tried that one. I'd be interested in trying it. Some uh, other games that are obviously good for solo would be any of those co-ops like we mentioned earlier. Things like Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert, Pandemic, Flashpoint Fire Rescue would be great for this. Anything else of the co-op where you're struggling against the game would be excellent. A few solo games that I've heard about, I've watched videos on these, and would be interested in trying out would be Friday. I know it's a simpler game, but Rado does a nice video on it. But uh, it could be a very quick solo game where you just try to survive as Robinson Crusoe once again, and you build up your deck, um, and you get better and better, but you face greater challenges throughout the three phases. Mage Knight. Wow. Um, if you have the table space for it, you can leave it set up. Ricky Royal does some really nice videos on that solo. I would definitely check out Ricky Royal as a solo game gamer. Um, he's a great source for ideas, great videos. And Mage Knight just looks really puzzly. It looks very fun, but also looks very challenging and time-consuming. And I don't know if that's one I have the time to put into, but it does look very interesting to me. I would definitely like to try it sometime. Also, a newer one is Sylveon um, from the maker of Oniram, which I haven't played either, but Sylveon looks really kind of neat. It's a... You're trying to defend this forest. It's set up in a grid of cards, 
and a fire is kind of fires are kind of coming across these different lanes, trying to destroy the forest, and you're trying to stop them in various ways by putting out fountains and different animals that do different things. And you can upgrade your deck, I, I believe, and it looks pretty neat. Also, one that I believe um, I believe Rado may have done a video on this one too, but there's definitely some videos out on this one. So it definitely looks pretty neat, and it's a newer one. The art's kind of um, it's it's a neat art. It's it's kind of a fantastic, um, but also a little bit cartoonish. But it's a, it's a nice, a nice looking art. So in summary, um, the solo gaming experience may not be for everyone, uh, but it's definitely something you should open your mind to if you haven't tried it before. And also, don't look down on us solo gamers. I mean, there's various reasons why we do it. We may not have the opportunities to get together with people. We may have just a different schedule. We may just use it as a relaxing form of mental engagement, but solo gaming is definitely something very fun. It's very mentally stimulating and something that I suggest you try. Okay, moving on to our punch list. Well, this time our punch list was submitted by my oldest son, Noah, who likes to game with us, and he asked me, what is your favorite deck building game? It's kind of a hard question for me because one of the first games I got when I started getting into modern board gaming was Dominion, which of course is is a very straightforward game. It's a very, uh, some people call it a little bit bland, a little bit themeless, but it is the granddaddy of the deck builder, the originator of the deck builders, and it is, you know, good for that quick engine building type, how fast can I get my system going, can I combo my cards, and when do I need to convert over to scoring those in-game points and finishing out the game. It's a game that I played quite a bit and eventually gave it to my um, daughter when she got married, um, just so they would have some games at their house. I just, I feel like I'd played it out. I never got beyond the base set, I did play some of the expansions with friends and, and enjoyed them, but I never actually purchased anything other than just the base set. Also, uh, Ascension is one that I play on my phone all the time. If I got, you know, five minutes to kill, and it's 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 fun for what it is, especially on the phone. I would have to say uh, I really want to try out Core Worlds, but I haven't done that yet. I'd probably have to say Marvel Legendary would be currently my top deck building game. I don't play it a ton, but I do have most of the expansions that are out currently. I have the uh, Fantastic Four, and I have Dark City. I have. Uh, the Spider-Man, paint the town red, and enjoy it. It's it's a good game. It's kind of confusing. You know, do I make it a competitive game? Do I make it a cooperative game? Um, so sometimes it's hard to know how far to push those different things. And I feel like when you get a lot of players, like especially four or five, it can really grind down and become more difficult and also more boring. Um but I think two or three players is a very nice number. Also plays quite well solo. You could do it true solo with one deck, or you could maybe run two decks and just see what you can do. Can you defeat the the uh, villain, the mastermind, in time before he wins the game? Once again, this is one of those cooperative games, a theme that has definitely run throughout this episode. Well, I'd be very interested to hear what your favorite solo games are, uh, what questions you have about solo gaming. So please, please, please tweet us at punchplayed. Also, hit us up on Facebook, Punch and Play. You'll be able to find us, post on our wall. And also, definitely, you can comment on the website, punchandplay.com. And just remember, if you're going to punch them, make sure you play them. I know. We're in the submarine. No?
I never win this game. <laughs>